What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sets and Reps. We still out here, episode number 13. You can find my show every other Wednesday out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, basically uh, everywhere that you can see and listen to a podcast, wherever your heart desires. YouTube as well. We got the video version up on there. Listen, are you an athlete that's interested in up-leveling your performance? Are you a trainer or a coach that's interested in preemptively striking at some of the things that your athletes need in order to prevent injuries? Or are you just any normal person that wants to learn how to walk, crawl, and run the way that nature intended? Let me introduce you to GOTA. I had the opportunity to sit down with Coach Stephen Bean, who is a GOTA coach. GOTA stands for Greatest of All Time Athlete Actions. And basically, the short of it is that it's taking a look at all of the athletes who play a certain way for their entire career without getting injured. So we're going to take a deep dive into what that means, what is required for it, um, some of the different postural assessments that need to be done, how you can assess an athlete and start to train them in this way. We're going to talk about the difference between front chain dominance and back chain dominance and what it means for performance and for exercise, the difference between the lifting engine and the locomotion engine when you're running and when you are lifting weights, how to properly absorb pressure with your foot and ankle when you're running and how to translate energy from one body part to the other. We are going to talk about uh, the nature of movement and looking at indigenous tribes and animals and even babies when they crawl for the first time. I'm going to leave time codes in the description so you can hop around to all these interesting and exciting topics uh, at your own leisure. Before we get into the episode, we're going to do this week's segment of circuit training. Today, we're going to talk about tight hips. What does it mean when someone says they have tight hips? Well, we have different muscles in our body that are responsible for flexion, which is bringing your knee up into the air, extension, which is making your leg nice and straight and pushing your leg back behind you. We have abduction, which is kicking your leg out to the side, adduction, which is bringing your leg in towards you, and internal and external rotation, which is when the movement of your hip causes your knee to go in towards your body and then out towards your body. So all these movements are vital to properly explore this amazing world that we have to walk to run to move around when these muscles become tight which means that they're in a constant shortened state you are not going to be functioning as well as you'd like to and as well as your body intended you're going to have pain you're going to have dysfunction you're going to have loss of proper movement what to do about it well there's various different ways to stretch and improve that mobility to get those muscles in a loosened state so that you can work on building your strength again. So the best way to do this is with the following stretches. So I put together for you my favorite pre-workout hip mobility routine. We're going to start with the 90-90 hip rotation. You're going to start by sitting with your legs in a split stance. Your front knee is going to be at 90 degrees. You're going to just take a look and make sure that your knee is bent in a perfect square and your back leg is going to be at bent at 90 degrees. What you're going to do with your legs both flat on the ground, you're going to keep your feet planted. You're going to lift those knees up one at a time, rotate, twisting your torso, keeping your body up nice and straight so that you land with the exact same position mirrored on the opposite side. And I would like you to do that for one set of eight times, back and forth, one, two, three, all the way to eight. The next thing you're going to do is what I like to call the great hip stretch. And this is one of my favorites from Dr. Aaron Horshig of Squat University. 
you're going to start in a lunge position with your front knee bent. Let's say you're going on the left leg first. So that left leg is going to be bent. Your right leg is going to be extended straight back behind you. You're going to take both of your hands, place them down in front of you with your left hand inside of your left foot. Then keeping your right hand on the ground, you're then going to twist your torso without moving your hips at all, keeping everything lined up. But the only parts moving is your torso. You're going to twist and then extend that left arm behind you so that your left and right arm almost make a T position. And you're gonna rotate back and forth like that for one set of eight times. And you're gonna do that on each leg, switching positions, mirroring it exactly on this side. And the final thing that you're gonna do is what we like to call the cat camel hip rotations. If you're a fan of yoga, if you're a fan of fitness in general, you might've seen these. What you're gonna do is get into a quadruped position on your hands and knees. And you're basically gonna start by getting into the uh, camel position by bringing your belly button into your spine, curving, making a nice curve in your upper back and your low back, bringing your head down toward the ground. So you get a nice stretch in your back, but also you get those hips moving, right? You get your pelvis tilting and back and forth, which is what creates our hip motion. And then you're going to go into the cat position by dropping the belly button to the floor and curving the lower back, making a nice bowl shape and tilting your head up to the sky, getting a nice neck stretch. Without any further ado, thank you for listening to this week's segment of Circuit Training. Let's get right into this episode. We have Steven Bean, aka Coach Bean. How you doing, man? How's your day going? Doing well, doing well. It's going well. It's going well. I appreciate the opportunity. Good. Yeah. Really glad to be here. I was thinking back on our first interaction somewhere close to like two months ago. Um, I had been following NESP. Uh, shout out to them uh, in Lowell. Really great energy, really great community of athletes. It seems like they've created um, and I've been following them for a while and I've seen you pop up on their page. Um, with this talk of Goda, which which is a, a really great concept that was new to me, um, completely new. You came out with these uh, acronyms and these pictures of athletes in all these dynamic poses with lines. And me being a visual learner, I'm very, you know, I was very intrigued by that. And I'm like, I got to figure out what this is. Um, and that led me to kind of reaching out and, and trying to make the connect with you. And I'm just fast forward, you know, two months, here we are, where we're on the podcast together. So um, once again, thanks for coming and uh, helping me take my show to, to a new direction. So absolutely. Yeah. No, shout out to Joe. Like you said, NESP is a great gym. He does a great job with all those athletes. And um, I was, I was blessed to be able to get in there and, and kind of, spread spread the light of Goda and he was actually he was one of the first people that was susceptible to it I mean he's got a he's got an open mind and he saw the value where it kind of helped um basically up level the training that he already had going on and so he saw saw the value he said yeah come on in be a be a good addition to, to the gym I mean I'd, I'd spoken to a few different um gym owners and they kind of gave me the kick rock spiel and it uh I, I landed in, in NHP and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed that Joe was able to uh, able to let me in there and, and do my thing. Yeah, you mentioned up level. I like that term um, because I feel like this is a concept that's going to be pretty game changing, not only for the people who are immediately going to be affected, like 
by sports performance uh, training in particular, but by the fitness industry in general. I mean, it's a fairly new, uh, seems like it's a new methodology. Um, so what I'm hoping is that, you know, my listeners, myself especially, but also my listeners are going to be able to learn a lot. Um, and if there's any performance coaches out there listening, um, this, this is something that's really going to, I feel like it's going to take the world by storm. So that I'm excited to, to hear what you got to say and, um, and just dive right on into it. But um, in, in talking about your connection with uh, NESP, I thought it would be a good idea to start off with having you just tell me a little bit about your background, especially the steps that led you to where you're at now. So we'll kind of start there. Um, and then I definitely do want to kind of dive into what GoTo actually is. Um, all right. Sure. So let's take it away, Coach Bean. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I appreciate it. Um, so, I mean, lifetime athlete, I mean, as so many people are, and obviously I never experienced a catastrophic non-contact or, or a serious catastrophic injury. However, um, I was dealing with repetitive stress injuries, the hips, the groins, hamstrings once in a while. Um, I was always in the gym. I never really understood why my body felt like, not that it was breaking down, but I definitely had the uh, – I, I took it took it upon like the like the meathead way of just kind of getting in the gym, hammering weights, and um, you know you you see a, a increase in athletic performance and um, capability as far as you get bigger, you get a little bit faster, you get twitchier muscles maybe, and um, from there I obviously I mean this is going back 10, 15 years, and so from there obviously I had no idea what was going on in in my own body, so I was just trying to learn. I was always learning trying to learn new ways to uh to work out to kind of increase the athleticism side of of strength and performance so you know fast forward I I played college football at Framingham State um still dealing with like you know turf toe here and there the the repetitive stress of, of the hip plexus groin stuff like that um and it actually got to the point where I was getting wrapped up I was I would have my groin wrapped I was obviously the ankles and stuff a lot all the athletes get, get their ankles taped. But um, I had an ankle injury my senior year that sidelined me for the last game of what would have been the last game of my career and um, or what was actually. And it didn't really heal fully. And like I went through PT, I, I had a, a couple pro days um, post-senior post year season and it never fully healed. I still, still never got back to 100%. Um, which drove me crazy, you know, as an athlete, not being able to perform at, at your peak p potential. It's, it's heartbreaking. It, it's a mental thing. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're going crazy, kicking yourself. And um, it kind of just pushed me on that path of like over the last few years, I've been really, really digging deep into um, essentially health overall, but um, mostly on the, on the physical, physical performance side of things. So I, uh, always been trying to find that that next next step up and um about a year and a half ago i i came across a guy like you said i was on instagram i was scrolling through and um i saw a guy breaking down film and drawing lines drawing arrows stuff like that talking about these things that i had never heard before like the the foot placement the where um we can, we'll get into it in a little bit but um essentially breaking down some stuff that that was news to me right. and so being someone that's always looking to learn, like I know we, we've spoken before, like you're always looking to try and 
become your best self so that you can help your athletes the same way, which is what I'm doing now. So um, just that alone kind of drove me to get into that. But it was stuff that resonated with me because as much as I did pay attention to what was going on in my body, I was very, I was always, you know, I had the awareness of my body. It's not like I was just kind of like working out. Like I knew what I was doing mm. when I was doing it because I put so much time into, into learning it. But the, uh, the go to system as, as, as a whole, I think resonated the most because of the fact that there was no, Oh, I created the best next thing or the next best thing. I like, I, I brought this and like, this is what's going to help you become the best. It was credited to a natural form of movement. And mm-hmm. I know a lot, a lot of times, like we hear the, the, um, the, the terms like functional movements, functional patterns, stuff like that. But um, this wasn't, wasn't even that type of system. It was literally like, not like we observe nature and me, me kind of being a nature born myself, my whole, my whole life kind of was drawn to that. So again, fast forward some time and I uh, started to really dive deep into, into Gota. And at this time I, I had graduated college. I sat at, um, sat at a desk for about a year, a year, year and a half. And so I'm like, so I've been, my whole life has been so locked in, in locked into the physical capability. <clears throat> and, um, I'm sitting at a desk. I can feel myself. I'm still young. So I can feel myself. Like, I'm like, damn, like I'm, I'm really, I'm really going crazy. Like yeah. this is what people yeah. talk about, like sitting in a cubicle, like not being outside, not walking around too much. And, um, I actually started to feel my body, like within the first few months, I mean, going from working out a couple times a day, sometimes every day of the week to still working out, but then leaving the gym at lunch and going back and sitting at the desk for another four or five hours of the day. So I was feeling my body make those changes. I was like, hmm, something's weird about like the way my, my body feels sitting in a, in a complete, like a stagnant position. So I, uh, mind you, I'm, I'm looking at Gota and, and trying to figure out what Gota is because obviously I'm sure like yourself, like you're not going to fully dive deep into something until, or invest yourself in, into something that you haven't fully seen and, and been convinced that it's, it's something that is of major value. Mm-hmm. And so once that came across, I, uh, I, I crossed that line where I was like, wow, these guys, these guys are onto something. So, um, and I, I guess that, that'll lead me to get into to, to go to itself and which is, it's a, um, an acronym for the greatest of all time athletes, greatest of all time actions, um, yeah. which is, uh, again, it's, it's just that. So it's the actions of the greatest of all time athletes. And by that, we mean like multi-decade super athletes, guys that played into their thirties, forties, fifties, and don't get hurt. They're, uh, they're super durable. Um, and that was one of the major things that caught my eye. And I was like, all right, so if they're, if they're just talking about all these guys that like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Ed Reed, you know, guys that, that played and had successful careers with, you know, minimal injuries you know, or non-contact mostly, but some even light contact, it's all, all, all relevant. And, um, from there, it, it caught my eye. So they're talking about, you know, the, the infants moving this, the same as a guy like Ed Reed. And I'm like, okay, well, like that, that it went, it went over my head at first. And I was like, well, that's, 
kind of weird, but you know, I'll, 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 I'll let it slide and then keep, keep it going. And then all of a sudden they're talking about indigenous tribes. And then, so I'm like, okay, well, yeah, cool. Like dur- durable people, the most durable on the planet, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't really get, get hurt when you're a hunter gatherer and having to supply your family with food and, and um, resources that way. Mm. So it's now it's a few months into me studying Goda and I'm like, all right, like this is, this is really interesting now. It's getting growing on me more and more every day. So um, I guess from there, it just led me to, to go down that rabbit hole. And um, then they started talking about the Fibonacci sequence, like the, the golden ratio, stuff like that. And I'm like, well, like, all right, this is like, it's like almost too wide, uh, wide avenue. I, I don't know. Like for philosophy, lack of better like words, exercise um, philosophy. <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Exercise philosophy. And so um, I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm like, all right, well, like they're putting up clips. Like you said, they're putting up clips of, of a baby that's, you know, three or five weeks old crawling. And then they're putting up a guy running on a treadmill and it's, um, it's the same movement patterns. It it's, relays back to the slow motion video that we're always talking about. And it really is the, the, the proof is in the slow motion video evidence. So for me coming from a time where I was I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm following every, everyone and their mother on, on Instagram, trying to find all these, these accounts that would help me just kind of get some cool, uh, cool workouts in, like get some stuff like that could kind of challenge myself. I, I took the deep dive and uh, once I started seeing the actual slow motion video and not, um, you know, too many of the, the research papers and, and the, the articles and stuff like that, that was where go to set themselves apart because again, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it as, as it goes. But uh, yeah. so from, from there, I kind of, I, I was convinced that there was something behind it, I guess, I guess is what I should say. And um, then I started to kind of implement, you know, the, the strategies and um, patterns that they've seen, which is the, you know, the inside ankle bone high and heel away, um, heel flip on, on the release of, of the gait pattern. And so that's something I had never really studied before is because not too many people were, were actually kind of approaching it that way as like, all right, well, like, what's the number one thing we do as humans is, is probably walk around from place to place and, and locomote in that forward sense. And so mm. that was kind of really what, what struck my eye. And meanwhile, I'm sitting at a desk with my phone in my hand, watching gate patterns of how people move and how these super durable <laughs> people. And I'm feeling myself, I'm like, dude, I'm in my mid twenties and I'm getting back pain and stuff already. Like I, uh, it, it was pretty interesting. And so it kind of just led me on that, that wild goose chase of finding, you know, how to correct all of the things that I had experienced in my, my athletic career where um, no one was able to do that for me or with me or kind of guide me through that. So uh, from there, I just kind of took that leap and went, went into it full uh, head on. <laughs> nice, man. You mentioned there's a lot of slow motion footage, um, do you feel that that's the best way to uh, assess these patterns is by seeing what the pattern that's there uh, movement wise is by, is by uh, recording footage versus looking at an, an image? I would say absolutely. Just only because 
the the naked eye will fool you you know what i mean like you could you could watch something um in person at obviously full speed and and then you could record it and watch it at full speed but um coach gill uh go to local on instagram and and gls training as well gary um down in new orleans um coach gill had spent a, a lifetime of being in pain and, and kind of the same thing only he had he had some some more serious issues of as far as injuries and whatnot so he um i think it was what 2009 or something when the ipad finally came out i mean mind you this has been 20 years he's been cutting film off of um like camcorder stuff he'll he'll play the games of like the 90s on, on the in the nba games and kind of record it on the tv and then go chop the film and then put it on a disc then get it on a computer and start assessing the slow motion essentially hmm. and um so this is like early 2000s and he's doing that from which is a lot longer process than just clicking a button to screen record and then moving it to a, somewhere that you can kind of watch that slow motion but, thankful um, for the advancements think, that we got oh yeah absolutely it's 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 incredible what uh what technology has done for us and it's it's also it's incredible how poorly or how i guess how negatively it affects us as well you know what i mean we got all the, the texture necks the, the slouch shoulders so it's like you win some you lose some you got to take what you get and, uh, and curse. make the best of it absolutely and um so you know the the slow motion video is like um i mean like you were saying like watching a still frame depending on the angle of the frame um like we watch from an anterior uh head-on clip or head-on um view of of who we assess and what we do because we're looking at you know landmarks on the body where the foot placement is where the inside ankle bone high or low is just inside ankle bone higher than the the outside ankle bone and which what that does is gives the room for that ankle joint and swivel joint to uh actually function properly Mm. um so when when you're looking at still at, at a still frame it uh like I said, it depends on where that person is, either in the gate pattern or the squat rep or what have you, to um to know really where the issues lie. And so with that, I think I think the benefit is definitely with the slow motion. And so, you know, when when that iPad came out in the what two thousand nine or two thousand ten or something, it it uh, kind of could change the game. <laughs> so, what are the most common things that you find deviations, if you will, posturally? when it comes to um, ankle positioning or uh, foot positioning, knees and hips um, in general, what are some things that you find with, with athletes that you've worked with? Um, a lot of them, simply it depends on, A, how they were training before, but also like it could be something as simple as like the way they sat as a toddler, as a kid growing up. So, you know, if if you're – constantly sitting like these kids are playing video games if they're laying on a couch they're they're slouched over they could be sitting in um like a w sit kind of with their toes pointed out and their heels pointed in um which is going to change everything about your body structure you know you're when we're born i think there's like 270 bones in the body because of all the growth plate fusions that actually happen within early early life stage of the life through the adolescent into the the adult period in lifetime where we're obviously fully grown and kind of built up to the to fuse to one another <laughs> so um 
there's so many joints and so many ways that that body could change. And it's, I mean, essentially like a newborn baby is practically rubber, you know? So yeah. going up through, you know, five, 10, 12 years old, where they're early in that growth play stage, it's, it's crucial to kind of have a structure that's sound with the function of, of how we are built, how we're designed. Or else you're going to get duck feet like me. Like I'm just looking out at my feet right now and they're in that W <laughs> that you were mentioning. That, so that, that's actually a, a thing too. Is like, you know, like we're driving all the time. We're sitting in chairs We're we're sitting on couches. And so fr- from there, it's like, when you sit down, what does your pelvis do? It kind of tucks underneath you when you're, when you relax and kind of lay back in the couch, your spine bends, as where you know it's like again these are things in western society that's are that's so normal and it's become the comfort lifestyle or or the sedentary lifestyle the desks stuff like that people don't unfortunately so, people don't even like people don't pay attention to that stuff and it's so it's so vital if they want to improve their pain that they always complain about you know what i'm saying right right absolutely and so it's like it's tough because you, a lot of these people are are, are going to the chiropractor and like they have the potential to really soar through the roof with their, their human optimization as far as the functionality goes. And um, they're kind of not getting what they deserve or what they are capable of. So it's, it's, it's tough, which is why, you know, GOTA is you know, the model of saving the world's connective tissue. And it's, it, it does do that. It's just people get a, people get to buy in and, really see the value in it and again that's one of the things is where they're like oh well there's no research on it it's there, there, there are articles that support the evidence of what we are seeing on the film we just it's like we don't have time like a good a good uh metaphor is like the the first indigenous person to or, or back a couple hundred three hundred four hundred years ago or, or before that you know the first person to get bit by a poisonous snake like are they going to do the paperwork to let the other tribe members know that to not, not touch that snake <laughs> snake? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, imagine how many, how many people had to get bit by a snake to be like, Oh, well that, that one with the stripes, you know, it's, it's a deadly one, <laughs> which I mean, it is, it's tough, but it, it's, it's also, you know, it's, I don't want to say self-inflicted by, by the, the masses from, where we've gotten all the information from, you know, like mm. where we gathered, gathered that from. So it's, uh, it's tough, but it is, a, it is a process. Have you had people come to you, whether or not they've had a recent injury, they went to the doctor or they went to physical therapy and, you know, during the recovery process, they came to you and, can you speak on how Goda has improved their situation more than anything else that they had previously tried? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing that is super unfortunate is that we are seeing so many increases in, in those catastrophic injuries, you know, the ACLs, the Achilles. I, um, I've worked with, you know, multiple ACL injuries, a couple multiple ACLs on the same knee um, I have, I have a couple of friends that have, have ruptured Achilles tendons and what they've experienced when they go to, um, physical therapy, like I did myself with my ankle. Um, I mean, I didn't have any torn tendons, but it was a severe ankle sprain. So they'll, uh, 
they'll go, they'll, they'll sit you on a table and they'll give you, you know, these tests or, or after they repair the ligament, they'll kind of rehab it in a way that you're not really moving it yet, or they're not paying it too much attention to how you are moving when you do start to move again. So they kind of let you lay on that table or they tell you to keep the, keep the foot elevated, keep the, keep the knee elevated. And um, from there, which immediately after, after surgery, you know, like once that, that repair is done, you might need some time to, to rest and, and recover that actual surgical replacement or surgical uh, repair that was done. But once you start training and, and putting pressure onto that, that joint and seeing where that pressure is sitting, which is another thing that's so important with, with the foot placement essentially is um, seeing, seeing how that foot is pressurized. You know, if, if you're standing outside what we, what we consider the columns is just the, where the hips, knees, ankles, and feet, or hips, knees, uh, shoulders, and, and toes are, are all stacked on, on top of one another. Right. If you were standing with your feet so far outside your base and outside of where that center mass is, you're automatically putting the pressure to the inside of those feet. And so, as we know, you know, the, the, the feet have arches, which arches aren't meant to collapse. It's a structure and it's a, it's a support system that our bodies have developed and um, evolutionary purposes have, have been, you know, pretty successful with making us the most elite athletes on the planet, essentially. So when you start to see these Achilles tendons, these ACLs start to tear, it's like, all right, well, like, where where did we go wrong or what happened over time when that would start to happen so back to i kind of got sidetracked but back to the fact that i have i've seen um i don't want to be overconfident but everyone that i've worked with has seen some serious improvements in like whether it be you know breaking down scar tissue because if they did have that acl repair and then went to a normal rehab where they're just kind of again sitting you on a table it's not so much that they're they're working on okay how are we going to get you back into that athleticism you know it's like some people they, they they'll tear their acl and all of a sudden they're, they're done playing contact sports for life so that's one of the most dreadful things to hear as an athlete obviously but as far as you know that goes training the locomotion that goda does puts you like we don't we we have we have workouts and stuff that you'll be in a stationary position but we're training the locomotive derivatives of the joint segments. And so we're, we're going to work the hip capsule of that ball and socket with your foot. You know, as some people, if you, if you tear your Achilles, they're going to look at your foot, they're going to repair the Achilles. They're never going to look at how your foot is actually operating when you're moving. And, you know, you, you, you tore that Achilles because of your hip and ankle relationship. You know, so it's it's like where you're pressurizing the foot at a certain time in locomotive in the locomotive phase that they don't really pay attention to. You know, it's it's kind of a what we call a cadaver science is it, it is legitimately that legitimately that when they're studying no one's ever studied live people before. It was kinda of, it was kinda of frowned upon, I guess, in, in history. So um that people don't talk when, as much. When they, that people don't talk as much. They don't complain. They don't, you know, so as far as that goes, it's, um, it is different to be able to study a live human through a video and not so much of, you know, let me just set this dead body on a table and then run an electric current through it, a single muscle 
And that's where that isolation kind of comes in. It's like, okay, well, this muscle pulls and then this part of the body moves. So that must move that part of the body. Whereas we treat the body as one big picture or one well-oiled machine mm. where it's like your, your left foot's not operating right. If your right hip and right shoulder aren't operating in that same synchronicity. And so that's what we call the singularity is just getting all of the bones and all of the joints and all of the muscles in the body working in unison. So it's not like we don't really isolate an area of the body. We'll put it all together and, and treat it all in one through the locomotion. Is there a way that you would, so you mentioned you don't isolate, but is there a way that you would kind of start someone if you are beginning them on this process and then make a progression from what you started them on? Absolutely. So we, um, we have a pretty in-depth assessment system or assessment. Um, it's kind of a, a few different modalities that have been, have been very successful. So we'll start them off and we attack the low hanging fruit, which is, you know, what, what are the biggest things that need change? So if, if someone is, you know, flat footed, they can't be absorbing energy properly in that locomotion phase if they can't absorb that outside edge pressure onto their foot when they're moving forward. So something like that, or, you know, someone who either may not have had an injury, like obviously we'd, we try and rehab that, that injury spot or injury uh, location first to get that up to, up to, um, you know, up to, up to stand, what we consider standard is it's just trying to get people moving again. But I would say attacking the low hanging fruit in the sense of, you know, if you're, super front chain dominant, where if your hips are swayed way under your ribs, we want to get your hips behind your ribs first, or we want to straighten your feet out. We don't want your feet to be toes pointed out. We want your feet to be straight so that when your shin and ankle are moving around with your hip in that, in that synchronicity, we're going to get that moving first before we even do have you do anything else. We want you to be able to move efficiently in the patterns that we're seeing in the infants in the, the super athletes, the hundred year old people that are going to run and running marathons, the, the age group is doing triathlons and stuff like that. So it's, um, it is, it is definitely imperative that you, you start where the, the, the biggest issues are or the biggest issues lie. Can you give me uh, an example of like a specific exercise that you may do with a beginner that would recreate uh, a functional movement pattern and get them started. Yeah. I mean, as, as simple as it could get is um, we have, we have some, some tools and equipments, the equipment pieces that uh, help maybe get, just get them to the outside edge of their foot. So we have slant boards that slant down towards the ground that will elevate that inside ankle bone by default. So we'll start there. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a derivative of, you know, if you're, if you're going to locomote, we want your foot and ankle in the right placement, or we're going to work on what we consider a bow to a corner, which is the landing phase of the gate pattern to the releasing phase of the gate pattern. And by that, I just mean, obviously moving from foot to foot. Like I, like I was saying earlier, we kind of, the, the most reps we do every day is walking. And so if you're walking, if you, if you don't walk correctly, how are you going to run correctly? Mm. And you know, yeah. that's why we start with, we start everything from the ground up. So if we're going to start on the ground, we're going to have you crawl before you walk. And we're going to make sure you're, you're sitting on the ground and 
which is what we get into the resting postures and resting positions and kind of substitutions to the chairs, to the desks, to the, the couches and, and whatnot. Um, and fr from there, just take it li quite literally one step at a time is we'll see how, how efficiently you can crawl and make sure the spinal engine is moving. You know what I mean? If you, if you think about it, we got balls and sockets in our shoulders and hips. Yeah. If those aren't moving together properly, there's going to be stresses. There's going to be what we consider leaks in the energy system, you know, where if energy isn't created or destroyed, we're going to have an energy system through our body where we need to be able to flow. And it's, that's kind of becoming a big thing in, in exercise is that flow state and that actual flowing pattern of fluidity. So from there, we just, just making sure really to get the athlete moving correctly, get the, if it's an injury, we'll take care of the injury or if it's someone that's an elderly, you know, um, older person that's, that hasn't maybe moved in his patterns in a long time, we'll start him off slow, attack, again, attack the low hanging fruit and start there. So you mentioned this bow stance and I've seen this before um, on your posts and on other GOTA related stuff. Um, comparing that in movement, especially let's say in like a sprint, obviously seems like that's something that has to be trained um, slower, just like you're saying, walking first before you start running. Can you find anything inherently wrong with cueing athletes to run in a way so that they have a neutral uh, leg, um, like hip and knee drive, uh, like triple, fle uh, triple flexion, if you will, um, focusing on that versus this bow stance or, you know, the, um, the corners that you were mentioning transitioning in this way and then having your, your, uh, your leg lined up that way. Um, because I feel like almost, I feel like the, the triple extension type of method, especially for myself, not knowing anything about Goda, that's kind of a standard that I had used for a while. Um, so can you kind of break down if there's anything wrong with that type of pattern, um, you know, from the Goda mindset? Um, so I, honestly, the, the thing with the triple extension and um, even just, just flexion and extension in, in general is um, they're linear patterns. And so when we say linear patterns, it's the, the straight line energy that we're talking about, which doesn't happen. You know, energy can't move in a straight line. It's got a spiral and wave. So when you're talking even, I mean, whether it's like the Olympic lifts, like cleans and, and stuff like that are a lot of triple extension. So for that forward locomotive gate pattern that GOTA is derived from and, and observed by, um, the difference of that is if we if we didn't if we were in, in triple extension and that flexion extension pattern, we wouldn't have the rotation and I guess absorption that we have in our in our design. Our structure has the swivel joints and the hip joints, ball and socket with the ankle and the hip. And if those were the flexion extension, that's kind of what will deteriorate 
and cause like like myself I, I experienced those those um repetitive stress injuries of of the the hip flexors so when you're when you're not really training those ball and sockets in those patterns that they're that are respective of, of the actual structure itself it can cause connective tissue entrenchments where it's it's tough it's tough to get out of but so with triple extension uh the, the most time we see that is is with the lifters is with the the olympic lifters whether it's powerlifting olympic lifting um when you start to locomote it's that forward drive so triple extension promotes the what we call reverse movement of pulling from the ground moving up and back and when you're doing that in a forward locomotive pattern or a forward locomotive um action or whatever whatever you're doing you know if you're chasing a ball down the field or if you're just running on on a sunday afternoon um when you're doing that you, it, it promotes a front chain dominant um individual where that front chain dominance could lead to them coming in hard on the heel because with the triple extension lifts a lot of times like you said like the the they'll cue the heel drive and the weight in the heel where if you start to do that when you're locomoting forward and, and training in that forward locomotion you're not essentially creating that fluidity of energy passing back and forth so that's where people experience the shin splints or when they're running over over a period of time they'll start to feel the low back pain because the way that their spine is absorbing that pressure from hitting that heel on the ground rather than that soft outside edge of the foot um that's where it kind of gets dicey with you see the athletes when when they jam that heel on the ground on the, and they're moving forward if they're changing direction or something that's where most often times you'll see the heel hit the ground and then from there obviously the toe comes down and then you got a planted foot where that pressure doesn't have that that ability to move through the joint capsule and through that swivel of the ankle and all of a sudden boom you're you're locked up so that energy that can't be destroyed has to go somewhere and what you see on what we've seen on the film with the injury mechanics is that energy goes down, hits that flat foot, and then bounces back up. Either if they're moving forward, it's back up to the knee, and that's when we see the ACL tears. Or if they're moving backwards, like Kevin Durant, when he went he, he went to go cross someone over, he jammed that heel in the ground and went to go make that crossover, and the Achilles blew out. So that's where we see – I mean, I used to be petrified of, of watching injuries just because as an athlete, I was like, oh, man, man. It hasn't happened to me yet. I'm, I'm lucky that I've gotten this far, but now that I understand the actual injury mechanics to the forward locomotive derivatives, it's um, it's become a lot. I don't want to say easier because it's never easy watching injuries, but it's become a lot more understanding of like, all right, well, like dude, this is happening a lot where we're seeing these same patterns and in injuries, and then you look at the guys that don't get hurt, and it's not the same pattern of how they're loading mm. their structure, how to how they're loading the foot on impact, how they're they're doing certain things, even if it's just someone running straight forward, you know, like you could have someone that is running with an external rotation on the release of that stride. And that's when you see that hamstring up the deep, that fourth hamstring up under right at the base of the pelvis. That's when you'll see that get pulled a lot is because that external rotation of the foot rather than what we call a corner is energy moving around a corner with your hips working in that gyroscopic pattern together what you'll see is that hip will rotate out 
that hamstring up in the up in that top underneath the pelvis has slack in it where if you're at top end running fast that slack pulls and that's where you see the pulled hamstrings pulled hamstrings or even strained hamstring is a repetitive stress injury it's not a catastrophic it's not gonna you know end your career so to speak but it's the same patterns that we see as the acl tears as the achilles tears as you know the, the pedal fractures in the foot and whatnot do you train um, or present these methods or uh, techniques differently from your uh, field and court athletes to your powerlifters or like strictly weight training individuals that you've worked with? Do you, do you present the information or give it to them in a different way or is it in general similar? Um, I mean, Gota is just forward locomotion. So, I mean, whether like I, I've worked with powerlifters and they, they've seen benefits and increases in, in power and numbers and across the board. Um, so we're, we're always training to up level that look that forward locomotion engine, the locomotive engine, which that's hands down the biggest discrepancy between, Oh, like Gota is just like another whatever. And then, people that are lifting and saying like, no, 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 like I, I, I got better at football when I, when I started lifting um, or I started jumping higher when I, when I started squatting or something like that, which mm. maybe you did o- over time, but you're putting yourself at risk. And so the lifting engine compared to the locomotive engine is that what we, we, we say reverse moving is because you're moving up and back, whether you're squatting with a bar on your back or whether you're picking something up from the ground. Whereas when you're locomoting, you're turning forward in that kind of rear wheel drive scenario where um so so to answer your question we we really coach it the same way it's it's um if we if we train the locomotive i mean not so much where it's like a power lifter like if i had a competitive power lifter come to me and and work with mm-hmm. me yeah i would i would want him to be running well but I'm, I'm more focused on, all right, what's your foot doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're going to be squatting with your, with your foot flat on the ground. You know, obviously powerlifters aren't going to be with their heels off the ground or, or squatting on their toes. So yeah. when they do that, I kind of just, I get them on the boards. I get them. We have, we have like chucks that go under your heel to elevate the heel. So we'll train the same derivatives that we see in the locomotion but because it's enhancing the, the overall durability of the structure itself, that squat max is going to go up. That deadlift is going to be able to be performed at a higher level because when you're doing that, you're actually creating a hydrated tissue in the connective tissue segments. And that's why it's, you know, everyone talks about, oh, well, like you guys don't lift. So like, how, how do you get bigger? Like, what if like, what if a guy is going into college, needs to gain weight, needs to get bigger, put on size, whatever. Um, we have, we, we've seen w- with our athletes that it's, it's obviously gains are made in the kitchen. You know, everyone knows that everyone knows yeah. that, um, you know, whether it be the six pack or whether it be putting on 20 pounds in the off season. So from there, we, um, we train it so that we put the resistance on the athlete. And then when we see a power lifter come in, we'll have them train, train to go to principles. And from there, like I was saying, your body is actually enhancing its, its ability to whether it repair itself or just function at an optimal level. So that durability and that structural 
integrity that we train is going to up level the, the lifting engine. It's not just going to be like, we, I wouldn't just train it as if I'm working with a track athlete. I'm still, I'm just going to train the, the go to principles and you're going to see those benefits when you go back to your sport. And so it's not like we don't turn away weightlifters. You know what I mean? If anything, right. we're looking at weightlifters like, dude, you need this. Or like, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to be constantly training that lifting engine, um, that's kind of one of the main things is like nobody, especially from, from my experience anyways, but a high school kid that's, that loves to go in the gym and, and squat 400 pounds, which I, myself, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that are going to hear this will feel the same way. Um, it's tough to get rid of that, that mindset of like, nah, I want to, I want to go in the gym and, and pump some iron and, and get hit those numbers. You know what I mean? I have a, Absolutely. I have a target set that I want to hit. So it's, um, it is different, but, um, we attack it all the same way. Yeah, I was feeling that today. I was I was going in doing my deadlifts, and I um, just because of my schedule, I don't get in the gym as often as I can. So when I hit the weight, um, I don't see like a huge decrease in my poundage. But you know, I like I had a I had a max of like um, you know three fifteen for five that I could hit like comfortably with decent technique, and now I'm like trying to focus more on hitting the weight a little bit lighter but just, you know, being better with, with how I'm moving. Um, so I, I can feel that mentality of just wanting to go in and, and get the numbers back up, like, like how you used to and, and all that. So um, I want to get into how object, like uh, objections from people to go to and, and kind of like what you were starting to talk about a little bit where, people maybe on the outside don't understand it or they they have a mindset that was stuck one way for so long i want to get into that but there's one more question i want to ask can someone take go to techniques and integrate them into uh their training programs let's say if they're if they're like a trainer myself like myself uh, or the strength and conditioning coach can they take tips like for example or can they like for example use the the wedge tool um or just essentially anything from this training methodology and implement it into their training without solely transforming themselves into a go-to coach or or you know getting certified or like can they basically take little bits and and bolster their programming that way sure sure yeah absolutely um, and I mean, one, one thing I'm, I'm sure you've seen a lot of is and myself, I, I'm, I've, I've done it before is like people that don't have the, the ankle mobility, they'll throw, throw a weight under or throw a plate or something under their heel. Yeah. So something like that, you can go a little bit more in depth and see, okay, well, where is the actual pressure yeah. in that foot? Because your, your heel could be elevated. And I mean, whether you have a go to Chuck or just a flat plate that you're putting your foot up on, you still want to have that outside edge pressure to keep that ankle structure that's. In, in, in its design that's going to function optimally so you know i mean you could you could have your heels elevated and still be caving in your your arches of your feet that are dropping your inside ankles that is going to eventually over time whether or not i mean whether it's competitive athlete or not or someone that just plays recreationally or someone that's going to have the the situation like like ourselves that, that we're just in the gym like we're not competitively playing sports anymore but we want to function properly so I definitely, I would say like working on 
keeping the, the foot pressure correct, keeping the, the back strong. That's a ma that's major is, is the back chain dominance is because we're a front chain dominant society due to all those external um, sources or external, external, uh, I'm looking for that word, external. Uh, stimulants. Uh, the, the like stimulants that, um, just like just a bunch of voices from everyone else that is just trying to get their agendas across without any evidence type of thing yeah right right and um so so yeah exactly it's it's as far as that goes you, you could look at how you know if you if you look into a little bit of how, how the body's structured you know what i mean it's like that linear pattern of passing the knee directly over the toes mm. is going to take away from the function of that of that swivel joint and the ball and socket because when you do that our our ball and socket the way we absorb pressure with our hips and ankles is to turn the knees out when you're turning the knee out, when you absorb that pressure, you release the pressure by turning that knee back in. So a lot of times when you see that lifting engine, you see the knees go in. And then when they stand up, the knees go back out because oftentimes they're either outside their base of that col those columns or their toes are actually turned outwards. So you can, you can look in, I mean, every, all the go-to coaches and stuff have, have things on their, um, their Instagram where it's kind of like the cues of, the straight foot, the, where the actual foot is meant to, to be pressurized. Um, you know, the, the hip behind the hips, behind the ribs, um, postural, postural stuff. Um, and essentially just when you train the forward locomotive derivative of how we're, we're designed, like I said, that, that lifting engine is going to go up, that lifting engine strength and, and, and function is going to go up by, by default. Um, so there, there's, there are multiple ways that you could cue it as, as a coach that, that isn't necessarily either whether you're not fully deep dive or like even convinced that GOTA is the way to do things, or you just kind of want to be like, all right, I just want my athletes to be safer. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about the actual performance of forward locomotion. If I'm just gonna, if I'm going to coach um, Betty Ann, that's, that's, you know, hasn't squatted or something in, 20 30 years i'm going to make sure she's doing it right type of thing absolutely you mentioned straight foot is that statically or uh in in movement too because that's actually that's actually a cue that i give my athletes sometimes like when they're um when they're landing or when they're moving laterally and stuff i say all right try to keep your feet straight and they actually do so i believe without coaching it maybe necessarily specifically like they are like i do see that their feet become more straighter when they move so i feel like they are unconsciously putting the pressure in the the spots on the outside of their their feet like that in order to in order to keep that foot straight is that is that kind of what you mean yeah yeah absolutely so i mean we we cue it by first second toe straight and that's just something we've seen on, on the film again and you know youtube you can you can cut clips from all age groups of indigenous tribes down to just the kid running around in the backyard that hasn't had those external uh, pressures of what's going to decode their body. So that I need security is the foot straight that has that inside ankle bone high because of that swivel joint. Like I said, I, I mean, I, I know I keep going back to that, but it is so imperative that as soon as that foot starts to come out, then the ankle starts to go with it. Then the knee starts to go with it. And then all of a sudden, you're standing on a foot that's turned out 
So when you go to make that cut and make that pressurized hard max neural drive impact, you're going to hit the ground. And chances are, if your toes are pointed out, that pressure is going to go straight to the inside edge of the foot. So keeping the foot straight is going to allow that ankle gyroscope to move pass back and forth with those metatarsals in the foot way more efficiently than the alternative, which is the, the toes out. I mean, even when we make cuts, when we change the direction as athletes, we, we cue them to actually pigeon toe because we want the feet straight or turned in because of that release. When you're releasing that pattern of the, the locomotion, you're going to be flipping that heel away. So when we make cuts, say I wanted to make a cut, if I'm running at you and I wanted to cut to my left, your right, I'm going to pigeon toe that foot a little bit. I'm not going to, even though I'm stepping outside my, my column to change direction for that leverage in the, the movement, I'm not going to turn my foot out just to throw a little bit more of a fake because that's when we see that inside ankle bone collapse. And then that's what happens with the uh, Achilles or I mean the uh, ACL ruptures. Got you. That's really helpful. Um, and some of these cues that you've given me are uh, very valuable to myself. And uh, I feel like others out there, athletes uh, or coaches that, that want to kind of up the up level. That's the term. Um, so thanks so much for that. Um, so kind of when I have been doing some research and, you know, I actually listened to some people on a podcast, another podcast talk about go to a little bit too, from what I can tell, any objections that come to it kind of come from the perspective of like people see it as like something that's closed off in a way, which I feel like is kind of flawed, but because they're not necessarily focusing on the results and, and the evidence that's there. Um, maybe they feel like it's a lot to kind of dive into um, and, and they maybe see all the lines, all the acronyms and stuff like that. And they get a little bit intimidated by it. Um, but, you know, have you noticed any major objections to this type of programming uh, and what might some of those be? Um, I think, I mean, obviously that whole, the whole research and pr providing the evidence in a, um, the uh, academia standpoint of like, oh, well, there's no, there's no research papers or no, there's no article that I can read by a doctor that has said this. And that's why um, go to coaches are definitely headstrong. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like myself, 99% of the, these coaches had injuries that they were tremendously affected by. And so we definitely are confident in the fact that once we start training this way, we start feeling a certain way. So when someone comes to us and says, well, that doesn't work, you know what I mean? Like there's, no, there's nothing to prove that. Then we say, okay, well, like, let's, let's look at the, the video. We, let's watch the video of the ACL tear. And if you can find a single ACL tear that's in the same pattern of inside ankle bone high straight foot that the indigenous tribe is running in or, or that the, someone in the NFL that, that never gets hurt or, or any sport really. I mean, I keep, I refer to football as much as I, cause that's what I played, but um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of times they, 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 yeah, they kind of pull back from that and they're like, Oh, well, well, there's, there's no proof of that. You know what I mean? Like that's, there's no proof where that that's going to be true. So there's, there's that, there's the, the evidence thing where we just say, Hey, let's watch Let's watch the film or, you know, 
I, one thing I get a lot because I came from NESP and they're, they're a West side barbell gym and they love to, to get big and, and put on weight, which again, I'm, I'm all for the, the gaining size and strength through, um, through working out. And so what I would, what I would say is you can get big. I mean, it's not going to be the same way as, you know, squatting 400 pounds and, and getting the big muscles. We focus on the connective tissue. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a couple hundred pounds on a sled and have you push or pull that around which is going to train the forward locomotion. However, it's just not going to be the traditional squat. It's not going to be the traditional deadlifts. Mm. So that's one thing I get is like, you can't get bigger and be Gota. And to that, I mean, there's, there's the, the landmine press that we use, which can, you can train that lo- locomotive derivative. You can train the locomotive derivative on the Henny press, which is essentially kind of like a jammer off of a, us, off of a rack that you can uh, train yeah a non-linear pattern with a free moving spine. And so there, there are a, a lot of ways to be able to get the, those functions in where you'll get cooked up and you'll, you'll start to, if you, if you eat right again, gaining size comes from the kitchen, but um, that, that fuel for your body is what is more important than just the actual performance of that, that specific workout. Um, so between the evidence, the, uh, the gaining size um, portion of, of, um, just, uh, it's 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 say. tough because yeah. what what people say like the the um I don't want to say the naysayers but people that are are very I mean one one of my best friends was was severely like caught when I was like yeah man like I don't I don't really lift weights anymore and he's like dude what like you you've been lifting weights your whole life like and I was a, a high functioning person that was facing injuries but I was I was pretty athletic so no one wants to believe that when I start to say, Oh, like I feel so much better. I'm, I'm more functional than when I was lifting weights. And so that's uh, kind of, kind of the, the, the two big ones that we get. Let's go to coaches. Okay. That makes a lot of, um, makes sense. Um, but we talked a little bit in the beginning about the importance of keeping an open mind. And I just find that valuable for myself. And if you don't, have an open mind you maybe get stuck in a lot of places and not don't necessarily know it so I, I think that finding a way to appreciate something even if you don't understand it like you know just I'm sure that you, you obviously as a person you're very um knowledgeable but you will sit and you'll break it down you'll explain it to a person um, and other coaches like you will do the same thing so that's I feel like is the biggest thing that's going to help those people kind of come to a point where they can have their minds opened and start to understand it a little bit better so right right and I mean like like you said the open-mindedness is you kind of have to the person that thinks they know everything is 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 hurting them it's hurting themselves they're 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 putting a box and they're they're encasing their own capability to this is what i know and that's what i'm going to go with whereas people like like myself and, and like you like you reached out and said hey like this looks pretty cool and and like obviously like we've been weightlifters our whole life so c- go, coming from that standpoint and opening to be like well, let's just, let's just find out about it. Let's just look into it, let's do it a little studying. And I'm, I'm someone that will 
every single time I ever do something, I'll experiment on myself before I would prescribe it to an athlete I'm training or tell someone else to give it a try. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it for myself because mm. I want to know. Right. Like, I, I wouldn't just suggest you to go and do a certain thing that I either don't know is going to either positively or negatively affect you, but also that I've never done to know that it's going to positively affect me or negatively affect me. And so it's like that self-exploration is so crucial just to learning. And that's not, that goes way beyond any type of, of physical training that goes, if you, if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to take that step in, into the, the world of, you know, curiosity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a little bit what this podcast is about for me, just building my knowledge base, helping others build their knowledge base and getting out of my own comfort zone. Cause I find that that's a hard thing to do. And it, I mean, it's for everyone, it's kind of hard. So yeah, man, I mean, big props to you, big props to everyone that delivers Goda and makes it consumable for others. Um, keep it pushing. Right. That's yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're, we are, uh, we're passionate about it. That's the best way to put it is we're passionate about it is people. A lot of people will kind of be like, wow, like go to coach is an asshole. Like, or like, he's real, like we're mean or something. You know what I mean? And so from, from there, what happens is like, no, we're, we're passionate. Like I, I want you to be able to play with your, with, like play basketball with your 15 year old son in 20 years, 30 years. You know what I mean? Like I want you to be able to get out there and, and do those things as an athlete, whether you're a high school athlete or younger you know middle school kids and they're in their growth play stages i want them to be at their peak optimization throughout their whole gradual evolution of life like i, I don't want there to ever be like damn like i was a real good athlete in high school and then it just kind of like trickled off like i, I want to be able to have that kid say like yeah like i played basketball in college and played basketball in high school and then continue to whether it's recreational or state stay, stay competitive with it is to just move forward and be like, yeah, like I, I, now I play a men's league and I drop 30 points a game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want there yeah. to be a, a cap on when people are supposed to expect to not play anymore. You know what I mean? That's the worst thing like to me that. is like, 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 I, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear that, that people are be like, Oh, well, like I'm just, I'm getting old, like, you know, my back hurts. Like my knees hurt sometimes. So it, it's hard to, to listen to that because obviously I, I don't play competitively anymore. I still, I try and get out and shoot, shoot hoops play do as much as I can but um it's just I realize how much I could have improved myself at a younger age whereas now I'm I found go to at, at a point in my life where like I said I wasn't I'm not playing competitively anymore so I always had the passion I mean I was waking kids up in my in my high school I was waking my friends up walking in their house at 7 30 8 o'clock in the morning over the summertime and waking them up like, Dude, like get, let's get up we're going to the gym bro like come on and um I kind of use that, that drive and that hustle to, um, I, I just want to make sure athletes are, are performing and that, you know, if, if you love playing the game, you should love everything about playing the game. And that's, that goes into the preparation that goes into the training for yourself for your body. That's, that's going to allow you to play that game for the length of however you you're alive. You know what I mean? Like there's 70, 80 year old, um, indigenous tribe members or hunter gatherers that, are going out on 20, 30, 40 mile hunts and bringing food back to their tribes. Like I want you to, like, like I just said, like, I want, I want you to be out there with your son and daughter and play basketball 
whether it's basketball, whether it's soccer, whether it's even just throwing, like, like my dad had, he threw out a shoulder when he was younger. So we didn't have the opportunity to, to really have that father son, like, go, let's go play catch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. day in, day out. And so those types of things, it's, it's, um it's, it's sad to see because there is so much potential in the human body and that, that optimization of those functions are just, they're either, you know, some people don't, some people aren't, aren't interested in, in the, the, the fitness and, and, um, I guess training that that functionality, mm. which okay, that's fine. Like if that's if that's not your cup of tea, that's that's your cup of coffee. You know, <laughs> rather than you know exactly. what I mean. So, um, it, it is. It, it gets tough, but it kind of it's why we're a lot of us are passionate about it. And and that's not to say that that coaches that aren't coaching go to aren't passionate. It's just maybe they haven't either. Maybe they're not interested. Maybe they're coaching powerlifters. Maybe they're coaching people that want to get better at powerlifting, but they have to have that, that passion behind it. Exactly, man. Well, thank you for having that passion, right? Keep rocking it. Um, and I will do the same myself. Want to wrap things up. Can you take a second and, uh, you know, let people know where they can find more information if they're interested, um, like, you know, plug where they can find you and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as far as far as go to goes, if you Google go to movement systems or um, go to coaching.com, that'll uh, it'll bring you to a to a site where you can find go to coaches in your area. Um, my Instagram handle is Beantown, B-E-A-H-N town. Um, and you can go there. You can go to go to Loco or GLS training, which are the, the two the godfathers of uh, the go to movement systems. Um, anyone who's interested in the certification process and how that works can reach out to Cody Gota or Cody underscore Gota on Instagram. Um, but yeah, really, if, if you, we all, we all support each other in, in the go to, in the go to world. So all of our coaches are reposting, we're reposting each other all the time. You know what I mean? Everyone's got a different network of followers. So the more we can get it out there to see things or have people see our, see our content, the better it's going to be for the masses. It's not just, we're not just trying to blow Gota out of like above everyone else. It's we want everyone in the world to experience their biggest potential, their, their highest, highest performance and peak performance of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you reach out to me, I'll, I'll point you in the direction. I, I tag a lot of the coaches and stuff that I, um, that, that I post as do, as do a lot of others. Um, so from there, I mean, I would, I would just say, if you, if you Google go to and, and go onto the website, it, um, it'll kind of break it down for you and then get you to that, uh, that go to coaching map where it'll show you, I mean, I think there's, there's over 150 coaches now worldwide. So, um, in the, in the U S it'll have a map. You guys can find where, um, where coaches are near your city or the, the closest one to you. Um, we have a, we have an app that we coach virtually on. So that's, that's set up. Um, but yeah, I would, I'd say that that'd be the best place to start. All right, man. Well, again, thank you so much for coming out on the podcast, uh, spreading the love, spreading the knowledge. Um, out here, we spend each day like we're living out one giant set, and we got to put in the reps to get the results. Uh, so, you've done that, and I'm working on that, and the people that we that we try to help are doing the same. So. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you.
Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Out. All right.